Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Great to have you with us again. If I haven't met you before, my name is Anthony. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my joy to come around the world, around the world, sure, um, around the word with you today. Um, as you know, we've been journeying through um, our When in Rome series, looking at uh, the book of Romans, and this is week seven. I'm pretty concerned that seven weeks have gone so incredibly quick. Um, so our reading plans should be done. If they're not quite done, that's okay. Keep going. Don't give up now. You're almost there. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I used the analogy around, um, particularly when we got to Romans 8, that it was like reaching the summit of the, the, the peak of the mountain that we'd been climbing, um, being able to see um, all, all, all the things around us in every direction. But did you know that when mountaineering accidents happen, they more often happen on the way back down the mountain than they do on the way up. So hold on tight, don't fall over yet. We've got one more message to go before we uh, get to the end of of Romans. Hey, um, I wonder if you can remember all the way back to week one. We set the theme verse for this series from Romans chapter 1 verse 16 where it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew then to the Gentile. And see, we've spent these, these last weeks looking into the, the depths of what the gospel really means. We've, we've picked apart the, the gospel message, looking at different topics like sin and salvation, uh, sonship, sanctification, some of these crazy big theological concepts. Last week we had a look at what it means to be a united church, a, a worldwide church of believers, all with a common focus, that is Jesus and his gospel. And so this week, as we wrap up this series, we're going to take a zoom out again. We're going to have a look at the bigger picture. And hopefully, over the past seven weeks, we've got, hopefully, a better understanding of, hopefully, the gospel, or at least the book of Romans, and, and what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. But now what? Now that we're at the end of this book, now what? Well, if we, if we now have a better understanding of the gospel, well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep it to myself. See, the gospel is the power of God, right? It's transformational. It, 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 it's a living thing that, that has the power to, to change people's lives, just like it has, hopefully, for us. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep that to myself. Other people need to know about it. And that's why the title of this message today is No One Left Behind, Whilst there's still people that don't know the message of Jesus, our job isn't done yet. Jesus entered our lives or is in the process of working through our lives and we don't want to keep that to ourselves. We need to let other people know about it. But not only know about it, but understand it for themselves. So that this isn't just something they've heard once. That it actually enters into their life and their life is changed from that point on kind of reminds me of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch's just cruising along in his chariot, as he, as he does, reading the scriptures from Isaiah. Philip stops him and says, do you know what you're reading? And 
And the eunuch replies, how would I unless someone explained it to me? Well, I think that's what the gospel's like. We actually need to take the time, make the effort so that people might understand it. We actually need to explain it. There's plenty of people out there that probably know who Jesus is. There's plenty of people that celebrate Christmas and Easter for reasons maybe unknown to them. But they have a basic understanding of, of who this person, who, who Jesus says he, so it says he is. But do they understand it? And see, that's a part of, our, our, uh, a part of this, this mission, right? And so it's not just so that they, they would believe, but maybe that they understand and have a transformational experience like many of us in this room have. And so as we jump into the final, uh, final verses of, of Romans, why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the, the privilege it is to come around your word. Father God, we, we reflect today that, that we are a part of this, this gospel message going further and further. Father God, would we, we not be comfortable with just, just knowing who you are and the transformation you've brought to our own lives, but would we we'd be people that, that pass that on, that share with people around us what that might look like for us and what it could look like for them. Father God, would we, would we have this discontent in our spirits whilst there are people that don't know you? And would that propel us forward, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. In these final chapters of, of Romans, Paul shares his desire to, to visit the church in Rome. And we know that, that he does. He, he gets to Rome, but probably not in the way that he expected. However, this doesn't stop, stop Paul. He, he has lots of things come at him. He gets locked up. He gets persecuted for his beliefs. He, he's challenged everywhere he goes. And then he essentially uh, gives up his life as a result of, of his desire to share the gospel message. But it doesn't stop his passion. He, he's fighting until the end to, to get this message out there of his encounter with Jesus and what it means for people around him. And so Paul ends this letter by reminding the church in Rome about their mission by, by means of, of sharing the gospel with, with more and more people to extend the, the work of the kingdom further and further. Paul emphasises that, that the mission of spreading the gospel to all nations, not just the area where they are, not just the people in their own vicinity, but spreading it further and further um, around the, the known world at the time. And see... There's a real urgency and an importance that he places on this, trying to, trying to encourage people to, to, to get on with it because we don't know, like the, the scriptures tell us, when Jesus will return and call us all home. So we need to be able to um, be, be, you know, approach this with a matter of urgency. And see, Paul's mission hasn't actually changed. It's God's mission. We have the same mission over 2,000 years later to proclaim Jesus' death and his resurrection because it's through this message, through this gospel that, that allows people into a relationship with him that they might believe he is who he is, he, he is who he says he is and that he may have a transformative impact in their life as well. Romans 14.10, Paul quotes the scriptures of Isaiah where he says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. So we're called to be ambassadors of Jesus, carrying his message further and further 
allowing people the opportunity to get to know him. But our job isn't done while there's still people that don't know him. We can't continue upon this life knowing that there are people that will not or may not know who Jesus is. We don't want anyone to miss out. In Matthew 22, Jesus gets into a conversation with with some religious leaders about the, the greatest commandment of God. And when he's questioned, he gives this answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. And so he gives his disciples a mission as a result of of the the learning they're undertaking under his leadership. And you'll notice that he doesn't tell them how. He tells them what to do. He doesn't tell them how. He doesn't say, love your neighbour so much that you're on their doorstep every night with a meal. They might, as nice as it is, they might get sick of it. He tells us to love them, but the method's up to us. And see, 2,000 years later, we hold firm to the mission that Jesus provided us. Love God and love your neighbour. But that's looked very, very different in the past 2,000 years. It looked very, very different probably five years ago. It looked very, very different 50 years ago or 100 years ago. But the mission remains the same. Later, just before his ascension to heaven, Jesus sits with his disciples and gives them what we know as the Great Commission. And if you've been around York Street for any length of time, you'll have heard this before. Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Go and spread this good news and make disciples. That's what we're commanded to do. And see, we get slightly more information here. We're told to baptise and we're told to teach. But again, it gives us a pretty wide scope. But I think as individuals and and in churches, sometimes we get slightly confused between the mission and the method. We don't always understand what the mission is because we're too caught up in the methods. I think too often, even in our own minds, these two things play a constant battle. If we don't know how to tell the the two apart, then we're in for some probably frustrating times. And and what happens is that we become less effective at the mission because we get too hung up on the methods. So let's just define these two things just while we're all here together. Our mission is our purpose. It's what we are called to do. We've just been through the scriptures and we understand what that is. Share Jesus with people. Love God, love our neighbours, make disciples. Our methods have taken all sorts of different um, shapes and forms over the the past 2,000 years. Sometimes it's a program, sometimes it's a small group, sometimes it's an activity or an event. I'm pretty sure what church looks like today was not the case 2,000 years ago. But what remains the same is the mission. The mission to share God's love with people. And this seems kind of obvious. But if we aren't clear, we start to drift. Because I think for many of us, particularly that have been around church for a while, we start to get a bit comfortable. We get comfortable with the way things are. So we like things to be comfortable, absolutely. Maybe it's our worship style. Maybe it's the way the pews are arranged. 
Maybe it's all sorts of things. Because maybe at a point in time, that, that's maybe when we met Jesus. Or that was around the same time as we got married. Or whatever the situation may be. We have a natural desire to, to like things a particular way. Which is all good and well. We do plenty of things that make us feel great. But it can't be at the cost of the mission. The gospel continues, we we need to continue to present the gospel in ways that resonate with hearts of people. Paul shows us that by adapting his approach when he was dealing with Jews and Gentiles, that that he needs to uh, change his approach. He needs to change his method. But did the mission change? No. And see, the risk is, We don't want to water down the mission. We don't want to water down the the gospel message. And living in a world like we do right now, there's a real risk of that. Yeah, we want to be approachable. Yeah, we want to be um, people that, that, that love on people, no matter where they're from. But it can't come at the cost of the core message of the gospel. And so we constantly sit in this tension between what, what the, the core foundational truths of, of Christianity are and adapting them to fit the world out there. See, our methods should always be driven by God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit rather than our fleeting cultural trends because things change all the time. We know, like I said before, in the past five years, things are very, very different, let alone 20, 50 years into the past. Things are very different. And we need to be able to adapt and we need to be able to change so that we're still open to to people um, being able to find Jesus, but not at the cost of the truth. And see, the the methods of preaching the good news have changed. Language changes. Media's changed. The mission's the same. The book of Romans reminds us that our mission is to bring people into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Our methods should align with this, this overarching goal of sharing the gospel, focusing on communicating the gospel in a way that is relevant and compassionate and sensitive. And I believe if we get this right, this is when tra- real transformation and growth can happen. But it's a tension, a tension we all live with. We need to be absolutely certain that our mission comes before our methods. I wonder if anyone does grocery shopping here. I'll rephrase it. Does anyone need food to live? That's better. And so I wonder if maybe you live in a place like, I don't know, and the country somewhere, Wallora, maybe, I don't know. Is there a supermarket there? Um, (laughs) Probably not. If you're in a smaller regional town, you probably have less choices as to where you can go to find food. If you live in Ballarat or even the city in Melbourne, you've got unending choices as to where to go and get your groceries. But at the end of the day, we all need groceries. doesn't matter whether we're Coles shoppers or Woolworths shoppers or Aldi shoppers or whatever. Any promos, you know, we're happy to sponsor you. Uh, Any money's good money. (laughs) Jokes, not really. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we need food. That's our mission. But what if all of a sudden, Coles, your local shop, wherever you go, didn't sell food anymore, but you still went there every week. Maybe just out of habit, out of it's comfortable, 
That's what you do at Thursdays at 10 o'clock. You went there and you scoured the aisles, yet they don't sell food anymore. See, sometimes we need to change our methods. Sometimes we need to change what we're doing so that the mission is met. You need to go to another shop. People in churches sometimes hold on to their methods too tightly. And so, so I wonder whether there's things in our lives that, that we find comfort in, that we find comfortable to us, that no longer fit the mission. And that's why understanding the difference is so important. And so we're starting to understand this difference. But what are we meant to do with that? Obviously, sometimes we need to review our methods, yeah? Because things we've done in the past, whilst they were super effective at the time, may no longer be. There's a time and a season for, for plenty of things. The way in which we share the gospel message is one of them. The message doesn't change, the method can. Anyone know the mission statement of York Street? little quiz for you. Is it knowing Jesus and making Jesus known? Is it love God, love people, make disciples? Is it lead people to Jesus and disciple them so they're equipped to do the same? Or is it kicking goals for Jesus since 1934? <laughs> Three. Correct. See, understanding our mission as a community of believers here needs to be the foundation of all that we do. Every decision, every program, every strategy, every building needs to be based on this. You can probably walk into any, uh, any Christian church, uh, evangelical Christian church, and chances are that you'll, they'll have a similar mission statement. If they don't, there's probably something wrong. The words change, but at the end of the day, it's about loving God, loving his people, making disciples. You can put whatever words you like around that, but the core mission needs to be the same. I'm looking forward to visiting that church that says, kicking goals for Jesus since 1934. Because if we don't marry up the mission and our methods, we soon realise that there's a drift. And when, when things drift apart, they become no longer effective. So how can we avoid this? Two simple things. We need to redefine the mission. We need to come back to the, the core truth of what Scripture tells us to do and place that as our priority. Love God. Love people. Make disciples. It's as simple as that. But we need to be, on an ongoing basis, reviewing the methods, the way in which we approach this, this uh, commandment, this, this commitment to, to sharing the gospel further and further. We need to do it maybe as a church, but we also need to do it as a collection of individuals, right? Right? We need to prioritise this in our lives so that, so that as a collective, we, we start to see more and more people come to Jesus. Because whilst they are, there's still a lot of people that will be left behind. So we need to consider, are our, our methods fit for the mission? Or maybe the question is, are my methods still fit for the mission? See, the consequence of mission drift is that people get left behind. If our eyes aren't on the, on the goal, we'll, we'll lose. We, we won't 
meet the mission. Because we get too busy being wrapped up in our own worlds, our own comfort, our own preferences, our own methods gets lost of what we're really called to do and be. Just like the Apostle Paul, to what extent are you willing to go to see God's mission come to being? Paul endured all sorts of hardships, but there was one thing that kept him going. More and more people needed to know Jesus. Are we those kinds of people? Are we willing to to take the risks? Are we willing to, to go the hard yards so that people won't be left behind when that day comes? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. Father God, we, we confess that as people, as communities, we don't always get it right. But Father God, would you realign our hearts to your mission today? Would we have a new understanding of what it means to bring people into a direct relationship with you? Maybe today we need a realisation of what that, that would look like if, if, if people didn't have that opportunity. Father God, we, have, we all have people on our hearts right now that, that don't know you in a real way. Whether that's in these pews, whether that's at work or at school, wherever, we all know people that don't know you. Would it be the burning desire of our hearts to see people come into relationship with you? And would we do whatever it took so that they wouldn't be left behind? Father God, would you do a work in our hearts today so that we might share the goodness of your message, of who you are and all that you could could transform in people's lives? If only they might just know you and understand you. Father God, would you be with us today? In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.